You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Okay, Kate, if you could, this is a question that's come in. How would you use a million dollars if a magic wand was waved and it appeared in your bank account today? I'll, I'll give you a boring answer and okay. then I'll give you a fun answer. So sure. my boring answer is I'd invest it potentially in something like the Vanguard High Yield ETF. I think that's the name, VHY. VHY. And because I've already got my investment plan, I've got my diversified portfolio, if I chuck it in VHY, I'm getting maybe $70,000, including franking credits of distributions each year, which I can use to supplement my lifestyle, go on holidays, give more generously, and just have a great life. And then that passive million dollars. Income. Yeah, passive income. That's the dream. You can replace your income. And yeah, and I can just keep living my life because for a lot of people, the million dollars doesn't end up changing their life like they thought it did, would. And then they just keep wanting more and more and more. So I think just putting that money aside, getting a bit of extra passive income and just adding that to your life and just maximizing your experiences is a good idea. So that's your boring answer, which I think is super exciting. What's the exciting one? Or fun oh, one? you just go on the most insane couple of year holiday ever. Couple of year holiday. Yeah, you, or maybe a year. You'd stay at the most lavish hotels. Yeah. Um, gamble like at private chefs. Gamble in Monaco, Monte Carlo. I mean, you could spend a million dollars really quickly if you just did private everything. Absolutely, I don't think it would go that far, but the experience would pay dividends. Yeah. But it would probably make life feel quite dull after you ran out of that million dollars. All the studies I've read of lottery winners, often the money's gone after a couple of years and they actually end up being more miserable than before because they had that money for a short period of time, but they spent like crazy. Everybody wanted a piece of it. Mm. Um, and then suddenly they end up inflating their lifestyle and then they can't afford to live that lifestyle. Because you think in a million dollars, you're really rich. You can buy a mega mansion, but- 
you can't usually. A million dollars doesn't go Not that far with days. a mansion. You might get a really nice apartment, um, but then there's all those costs that go along with running the property and then you've got rates and you've got taxes and you still have to pay stamp duty and all those things. And mm. the costs really do add up and then you can end up living a lifestyle you can't afford. This is true. What would you do with a million dollars? Well, I did think about this a while back. Um, I would take my million dollars <clears throat> and I would buy a farm which is what I want to do. That's not like one of my top things on my vision board. It's like I want to live on a farm. I'd buy a farm. But so I'd use this is the thing. I'd use all of the money to buy the farm. However, then I would redraw through a line of credit. That's where there's like a loan attached to your property as security. Mm-hmm. And I would use that to then invest in something like VHY. So why would I do that? Because then the interest on the loan against the property is tax deductible. You still have to pay the mortgage, of course, but then you're effectively your passive income portfolio starts paying down whatever's left on the mortgage and keeps going, and you still get to live in the farm. So just do, you might be out of pocket and whatever a bit, but then I get the best of both worlds. I've still got that passive income portfolio with the interest being tax deductible, and I've got the farm that I want to live on, and that would be enough for me. I probably wouldn't. But like, then you'd need to get a job to actually pay for your living costs if you spent most oh, yeah. of it on the farm. Yeah, I would. I, but, but I, to be honest, I'd still just keep doing what I'm doing anyway. Mm. Um, so the million dollars would probably just be, I'd probably just use it tactically to get a farm. Like a farm would cost more than a million dollars kind of farm that I want. Um, like I don't want it to be in 18 hour drive from anything. <laughs> um, so that's what I would do. So, yeah. So, okay, let's jump out of pipe dream let's jump into let's actually earn this money yes let's um, and not let, wait for the magic wand to be waved and let's make our own million dollars how are we going to get to a million bucks asap okay so we're not going to give you the get rich quick scheme we're going to get you the get rich slow scheme or mm-hmm. get wealthy slow as i probably like to put it get wealthy slow yeah we've got get we've got get rich slow um part of the road trip yeah so if you want to learn more about this topic uh, Rask Road Trip, that's on the Rask Education course, completely free course. Go and check it out. You get a free download. You can work on your own uh, money that way. Yeah. I think the first thing to note is that it is possible and we'll explore that in today's episode, but it's not going to happen overnight. And that's often where people go wrong because they do look for something that's a really quick fix. Mm. And often those things are either too good to be true or a scam or they just don't work or they only work for one in a million people. Like you've all heard of the the crypto millionaire or the person who just built their business and sold it in a year, but that's usually the one-off case. It's not the bulk majority. So we want to talk more about strategies that are replicatable for most people. Yeah, legit strategies. Um, There are some books written on like famous people or super successful people and they're like, the book is like, Oh, what was your secret? And they're like, I visualized it. And you're like, okay, great. That's not all you need to do. You actually, Mm. like, that might have worked for you. And there might have been a million other people that also visualized it, but it never came true. So it's it's important to understand, I guess, what is, like you said, able to be replicated and will work for most people. And of course, there's going to be those, like, those tail that have extraordinary luck. So, Kate, let's talk about how long should we be thinking about, do you think, to to become a millionaire? Yeah. So, I probably say at least having a 20-year time frame because Mm -hmm. 
if you've been listening for a while, you've probably got the fact that Owen and I always talk about long-term investing. We're not doing this for a couple of years. When we talk about building our portfolio and investing in Australian and US ETFs and various other asset classes, we want to be investing in this thing for 10, 20, 30 plus years, which is also what we're doing with our superannuation. We're putting money in and investing it and locking it up for a long period of time so that compound interest has time to do its thing. Mm -hmm. And we want to give our investments time to grow because the investment market is not going to give you stellar returns every year. There's going to be ups and downs and that's part of the whole thing. But if you look at really long-term returns, if you look at some of the, the Vanguard asset class charts that you will put in the show notes, but you get the idea that over the long period of time, the world gets better and companies grow and your investments grow as well. Yep, they do. And so, a lot of people think when we talk about long-term investing, we're talking like three years. I think that's... that. No, I, we're talking a decade or more. And so, if you actually think about that, like what could I invest in to grow that amount of wealth? Like to grow... To, well, first things first, what will still be worth investing in in 10 years from today? It's probably not going to be a speculative stock or the thing that you thought was really hot right now. It's probably going to be something that's boring. And first things first doesn't lose your money. Um, so, And the problem is with boring things is they take a long time to pay off. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, you know, Charlie Munger has this saying. He said, people think about get rich quick. He said, just get rid of the quick. And then that will drastically change the way you think about wealth creation. So just get rich. How do you get rich, so to speak, or get wealthy to your point? So, Kate, what are the numbers? If we've got 20 years, how do we actually get to a million dollars in 20 years? Yeah. So as simply as possible, if you've got $0 right now and you invest $1,800 a month into a diversified portfolio where you've got exposure to Australian and international shares. And so you're getting somewhere around an 8% average annual return for that mm-hmm. time. You'll be hitting the millionaire mark in over 20 years. Now that is simplifying it massively, yep. but I'm just trying to illustrate that it is possible without crazy amounts of money. Because in our head, a million dollars seems so far out of reach that it you don't kind of imagine that a small not small, $1,800 is still a lot of money, but it's just putting that money aside every single month on a regular basis for a long period of time that you can get to that million dollar mark. So there's three key ingredients you've got there. You've got the amount that you save, you've got the return that you get from your investments, and you've got the time. Now, for those people in the audience who are in the front row, um, yes, we're not talking about taxes here, and yes, we're not talking about inflation. If you want, um, there'll be a link in the show notes to a spreadsheet that I put together, which will show you inflation-adjusted results. So we're just keeping it simple. But your point remains. Of those three things, you can't really control the return. Uh, You know, over the long term, a balanced portfolio might return between 6 and 10%. And we'll explain what that means in just a second. How do you you get that? Between 6 and 10%. Um, And the amount that you save is pretty much dictated by how much you earn which we'll talk about in just a moment, and how much you keep. Uh, and the time is basically like that's – it's really up to you there. Like if it takes you 20 years but you want it to take 10 years, you're going to have to change those first two variables to get to that. And one of those, as we said, is probably harder to control. So keep that in mind. So, Kate, 
$1,800 out of touch for me. I'm listening to this. I can't save that amount of money. What are some other scenarios? Yeah. So I think the great thing about this is once you've got this number in mind, and I think a lot of people work with the million dollar mark because it's a round number. It's just kind of like the I've made it number. Mm. And you can use the Money Smart Compound Interest Calculator or the Calculator Omens put together in the link we've got in the show notes. But you can take this million dollar number and try lots of different scenarios. And you can go, okay, what if I cut it down to $1,000 a month or $500 a month or $200 a month? So if you invested $1,000 a month with a similar scenario we mentioned before, Mm -hmm. it would in 20 years, you'd have about $550,000. And so it would take you nearly 30 years to get to that million dollar mark. Okay. If you invested $500 a month, it would take you about 35 years to get to that million dollar mark. Okay. So the, the less you invest each month, the longer you're going to have to give yourself to get to that million dollar mark. But the thing is, for many of our listeners who are in their 20s, 30s and 40s, that amount they can invest each month will hopefully change over time. Whether they can increase their income, whether they can decrease their living expenses, maybe they can start a side hustle, maybe they've got a bonus or they use their tax return. So you can put extra money into your investment portfolio over time. So it's not always going to be that consistent $1,000 a month for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Um, And there will come a point where your savings amount is less than what the portfolio is making for you. And that's a truly wonderful feeling. So if you're busy shoveling money in as quick as you can because you want to save more and you know you want to achieve financial freedom ASAP, there will come this point and it'll probably creep up on you when, holy heck, my portfolio went up, even after taxes, faster than I could save. And then from that point on, you know, one to two years past that point, typically it just becomes more and more powerful and it's like a big snowball going down the hit down a hill becomes more and more powerful and so that if we go back to those three things you need being time the returns and the amount that you save the savings become less important and the return becomes more important and that's what we call compound growth basically and that's what kicks in right at the end of those compound interest calculators you see it just like stepping up in a big way and that is truly impressive so if you are at that point now or you're approaching it you'll know what i mean and the dividend checks aren't five dollars anymore they're five thousand dollars and they're super super powerful for wealth creation yeah and it can take a while to get that point when you're just investing if you just start with investing a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars a month it takes quite a few years before you see your portfolio start to build and have returns to a meaningful amount and so it can be hard to get that motivation at the beginning. And that's why it's so important. I think you mentioned at the top, Owen, for like the first five years of your investing journey, just saving and investing as much as you can to get that portfolio moving. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where, um, the you, okay, you would know this. I don't know this off the top of my head. What's the fire movement where you save a lot now and then you kind of just, co- is it coast? Coast fire? Yeah. fire. Someone will know. Um, if you do know, let us know uh, or let me know rather. So this is where you save a lot now, save for five ten, or 10 years. And then the second part of that journey, so like the 10 to 20 years, you don't have to worry as much because then you've got that compounding kicking in because the dollar that you save today is worth a heck of a lot more than a dollar saved in 10 years. And that is the true, I guess, powerful part where 
you can be like, oh, wow, like all of that work that I did back then is now paying dividends. And so, you know, even though you might think, oh, you know, I'm only saving a dollar today or I'm only saving 5% of my wage today, that 5% of your wage today could be worth 10 or 20% of your wage in 10 years. So don't be disheartened if you can't save $10,000 a year right now. Even if you can save one, it might be worth 10 yeah. And it's also building that habit. So if you can put $100 a month aside now, you're building that habit of putting money aside for future you. You're learning how to invest so that when you are in a position to invest $1,000 or $2,000 a month, you know what to do and you're comfortable with how everything works. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kate, I guess there's a, a lot of things here that we need to unpack. So how could you... So the first thing is saving more. Yeah. You mentioned things will change. How do, how, like, what are some things that we can work on there? Yeah. So, if we want to play with one of those levers, which is actually how much you can invest each month, mm-hmm. it's firstly going back to basics and putting that budget into play and working out what is coming into you, into your life and out of your life each month in terms of money. And so, whether it's just at the beginning, you might want to cut some of your living costs because you're going, okay, for the first few years before I increase my income, I really want to start investing. So it just means I'm going to go out slightly less. So I've got more money to put into my portfolio each month. So potentially even to kickstart your portfolio, you might sell some things around the home. Um, And we've done some episodes before on different ways to save money, but just finding that initial starting amount. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it's just important to keep in mind that those small amounts do matter. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I can only invest $50, so it's kind of pointless to start. It's never going to amount to anything. Yeah, that's a big myth, isn't it? And that can stop people getting started at all. Yeah. There's micro-investing, there's fractional invest. Like There's so many different ways to do it. Um, just put it in your super fund if you're that way inclined to pay for your insurance and compound. Yeah. So whether it's decreasing your income, working on getting a pay rise at work, putting using your bonus, um, maybe starting a side hustle um, or focusing on upskilling so you can change jobs uh, into a higher paying job so you have more money to invest each month. You wanting, You're wanting to find an amount that you can comfortably put aside for future you and you can invest for 10 or 20 years to time that you're not going to need to touch in the immediate future. Yep. Um, we've talked, no, this is a Kickstarter for emergency funds. You mentioned there, sell some stuff around the house, um, but get a pay rise, work on your career. Um, the first five years of this journey is probably about how can I grow my shovel? So the amount of mm. stuff that I'm throwing into the savings account or this investing account. I was moving a bunch of gravel at home the other day, right? And uh, I had a massive load. It was probably like seven cubic meters and I was moving it with an, And all the landscapers listening to this will know what I mean. I was moving it with a regular shovel and it took me so long, like days, right? So the next morning I went down to the hardware and I got one of the shovels that are designed for scooping more gravel. And it doesn't look like it makes much of a difference. You didn't just buy a wheelbarrow? I had a wheelbarrow as well. Oh, okay. But this, I got this shovel for like $12 and I was like, I'm never going to use this thing again because how often am I going to be moving this much stuff? Oh my Lord. I reckon I moved it about five times quicker. And that's kind of the analogy for your income. If you can find a way to make your shovel bigger, do that. Like get a pay rise. Um, take on an extra, extra work if you want to, just... You know, you don't want to do that forever. But um, I think there's a you know, a big thing to be said for that first five years. It's about saving as much as you can. And one way you can do that is increase your income. And as you said, cut costs, cut things out of your life. How about the investment return, Kate? We, we always talk about diversified portfolios. 
we say Vanguard this, Vanguard that, or ETF securities this, beta shares that. A lot of people that haven't started investing, or even people that have been investing for a little while, I think, yeah, you guys talk about like compounding and stuff, but my stocks are going all over the joint. Where do you go to get that type of return? Like, can I stick with property? Can I stick it in a savings account? Can you explain those options for me? Yeah. So if you're looking, the number we mentioned in the scenario, 8% average annual return for 20 years, that number's not generally, well, not in the last decade or two, going to be found in a savings account or a term deposit. So no the thing to keep in mind here is to become a millionaire, you're going to need to invest the money, mm-hmm. whether it's in a business, whether it's investing in lots of businesses through investing in an exchange-traded fund, which is just a basket of businesses. You can buy a piece and it gives you access to the top 200 businesses in Australia. You might invest in property. There's lots of different asset classes and we've done a lot of episodes on how to invest in ETFs and the the basics of investing and our share investing series earlier this year. And we've got our Get Started Investing course, which is free on RASC Education. But that the thing to keep in mind is you're going to have to invest that money in something that is going to go up in value mm. or pay income. Yep. So you have to, if um, I spoke to Jason Kochoff on the Australian Investors Podcast recently, and if you've read Rich Dad Poor Dad, the book, um, you'll remember the cash flow quadrants. Jason brought this up. There's effectively the money that you earn from your employment. Then there's the money that you might earn from your own business. But then there's money that other people make for you. And this is what the share market represents. This is other people in big companies like Commonwealth Bank, Telstra, Apple, Netflix, Tesla, whatever you invest in. And we say you can do it via ETFs. That's other people working for you. And that's so you're building up that asset column as quickly as you can. And if you don't build up that column, you're never going to achieve the compound growth that we're talking about. If you just keep it in a bank account because you're too scared to learn about investing, or if you know you, you, you just think, oh, this is too overwhelming, I've got these limiting money, money beliefs, I'm not smart enough, I don't know enough, I don't have enough money. If these things are holding you back, you're not ever going to achieve that. So this is what we say by investing. And the big scary part of all of this is even though we say diversified portfolios, you're probably not going to have 8% each and every year, right? And no one can guarantee what the future holds. So, you know, Kate and I, neither of us have achieved 8% per year every single year since we've been doing this. Some years down 20%. Some years down. Some years up 30%. Who knows? Yeah. Like it's all over the place. Over 100, 125 years or thereabouts of stock market history, 20% of those years are backwards. Yet yeah. it's still the best place to invest. Mm. And that's why the numbers will always be 8% average over average 20 return. years, which no num- no year is exactly 8%. Mm. And so that is probably where the, the final bit, which is that time frame comes in. But I'll just wrap up, include some resources. Again, Get Started Investing, our free course from Rask Education. We've got our Beginner Shares course. We've got our Get Rich Slow course. Mm-hmm. We've done heaps of podcast episodes. So just and check out as many resources as possible. Read The Barefoot Investor. But it's just important that you do research, you talk to a financial advisor, and you learn how to invest because over 20 years in a savings account, you're not going to get very far. Yep. Um, Kate, I just did some numbers while you were uh, talking to try and work out at which year of your, remember your $1,800 per month yep. saving strategy at an 8% return. I was just trying to use my own code code here to work out which year the investments 
gave you more than you saved. And that it's actually in, interesting. That year is actually the 10th year. Hmm. So at year 10, your investment return is making more than you're saving. So more than you're contributing. From that point on, forever into the future, your investment portfolio would be making more than you're saving based on like some very simple maths here. Um, But it gives you an idea if you were to have a higher investment return, um, that would change the things, change things. And some people want to do it really fast and they'll shovel in four or $5,000 a year for 10 years to really supercharge their journey. And everyone's in a different spot to start with. And so you just have to figure out what are the variables you can start with and how can you maximize what advantages you have to work for you. If you go to the the blog dividendsdownunder.com, um, there's a couple there and they talk about, they emphasize significantly like the importance of your savings rate, how much you're saving and monitoring that over time. Fantastic blog, go check it out and it will explain all of what yeah. I'm talking about. And even just a couple of years where you might have to sacrifice some of those outings and going out and holidays can really kickstart your portfolio's journey. Because I remember I looked back at when I started investing at 18 and I used to track my net worth on a very regular basis compared to how often I do now because I needed that motivation when I was starting. And every month it would only increase by 100 or some maybe one month $300. One month I went backwards because I spent some money. Hmm. And I can see how the portfolio slowly grew over time. And it didn't the progress was very slow at the beginning and the numbers didn't get bigger very quickly, but I just kept at it. And then my shovel got bigger. I was able to put more aside. I knew a bit more about what I was doing. So I was able to maybe take advantage of getting slightly higher returns because I was not buying and selling things all the time and paying more tax. And as I learned what I was doing and put more money aside and sort of recognized what my goals were instead of just investing, um, it slowly started to get faster and faster and to grow. And I mean, I'm only seven years into my journey and there's still plenty more to do, but it is encouraging to see that over time. So if you are someone who likes tracking this kind of stuff in a spreadsheet, I'd encourage you to do it because then you can look back mm. after 10 years and go, just look at this progress I've made. Yeah. And that's just, I don't, uh, everyone's, and that's exactly what Dividends Done Under is doing publicly. Like you yeah. can see every month how much they're receiving dividends and you can mm. see their progress over time too. And you can use our, our even Strong Money Australia's strong website. Money, yeah. really a lot of the good, fire community do it. Aussie Firebug. Aussie Firebug. Um, a lot of them are kind of like that, they're probably 10 years into their journey. So they're probably a little bit further ahead than most people. But you can see that over time and you can see the dividends growing over time. And you can do that too. Just use the spreadsheet that's available in our um, road trip courses. It kind of combines everything. Kate, I think that's that's a lot to go on. I think we all want to be millionaires, right? Yeah. And I think the big one is people go, well, what if I don't get there in 20 or 30 years? And the thing I like to remind people is that even if you don't hit millionaire status in 20 or 30 years, you're going to be in such a better financial position than you were if you had just made no decisions. Absolutely. You're going to have more money. You're going to have your emergency funds. You'll hopefully be out of debt. You'll have flexibility to spend time with friends and family. So I think that's the important thing to remember. We've been to a few events and people go, oh, but what if you have kids? And what if this? And what if that? Like you, all these things that might mean you don't hit these goalposts that you've set, but you're still going to be in a better financial position than if you hadn't done anything. Yeah. I think- it's enjoying the process as much as anything. We don't know what's going to happen next mm. year. 
Um, and that's the ultimate act of humility when you're saving is you don't know if Ukraine's going to be invaded by Russia or Taiwan's going to be invaded by China or who knows? Like there's so many scary things in the, the headlines that affect the stock market, that affect property prices, interest rates, inflation. You don't know. There's some big things you don't understand. You, you will never be able to predict medical issues, kids, disability, so many things. But yeah. making yourself resilient and taking financial steps to make yourself resilient. Remember, all of 2021 for us was financial resilience. Um, you, you, you're not going to fail by trying to be positive. Yeah. And, and it's uh, focusing on what you can control absolutely. in that. You can't necessarily control the returns, though you can control how you allocate your portfolio. So instead of putting 100% of your money in a speculative company you read about on the internet, you actually do your research about how to build a diversified portfolio um, using some of the resources I mentioned. You can also control in some ways the amount you invest each month. You can focus on, okay, in five years, I want to be able to invest more each month. So how am I going to get to that point? Uh, you can also control the fees you pay as well. And so really focusing on, and even the length of time you invest for, you can by yeah. and large control that as well. So you want to focus, laser in on what you can control and worry less about those things you can't control. Like, is the world going to end in 50 years or um, am I going to get that exact return every year? Because you can't always control that. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I mean, yeah. As, I, as you were saying, as I was saying, there's things you can control, things you can't, and everyone is different. So the way Kate and I do things might be different to the way you do things, and someone else in a community might say something else, or one of these bloggers might say something else. That's completely fine. Yeah, everyone's investment goals and the way they invest looks differently. Even if they're using the same ETF strategy, they're going to be investing different amounts and using their money in a different way with different aims. So, yeah, I think it's just when you look online and you're researching, you think, oh, I have to do it this way or this way. And I'd say Owen and I invest differently. Most of our listeners would invest differently. There's no one right way. You can also change if you start down one path and it doesn't work for you or you find you're investing too much to the expense of living your life, you can adjust course and you can play with those levers within your control as well. Yeah, there's only so much you control. We don't have an infinite amount of money. So yeah. there's only so much you can control. And just having like an understanding of how much do I earn? Can I make adjustments there? How much do I save? Can I make adjustments there? How much do I invest? Can I make adjustments there? How do I invest? And how long do I have for my goal? Like all of these things matter. But I would, I think maybe what I would start with is at the very top of the show, Kate. We asked about, we asked each other, like, what would you do with money, right? And the reality is, our answers would probably wouldn't probably be anywhere near as clear as they were if we hadn't done the work on ourselves to understand what we define as like happiness and what we want for ourselves in life. And so, if you haven't yet done that exercise of what do I actually want? What do I actually want? What does money do for me? You know, we had very different answers, right? You had two answers. I had one. Um, and we're going to, that might change in time. You know, I might not want to farm. I might want to live in the city or you might, you know, want to go live in London and that might be your goal. And that's what you might spend your money on. But maybe... You know, that's really important to understand too because that will also determine all of those other variables. And you're going you're gonna to have a different set of priorities to us. Mm. So, just, yeah, just try and stay the course. Use money as an enabler for that goal, I would say. 
Yeah. And even just thinking today, even if I don't hit that goal, because it is just a number, it doesn't actually define yeah. you. And it's really important to remember that your net worth doesn't equal oh, your you self worth. This is my quote that uh, yeah, I-, <laughs> I like it. I was thinking about this yesterday as I was unpacking a box. I was like, okay, that was pretty yeah. good. Like a million that. dollars in your bank account doesn't make you any more or less worthy as a person. And you don't want to pin your personality on that. And that's why it's important not to make mm. finance your life. You might love talking about it and researching it, but you also want to have stuff going on outside of that. And you don't want to be focusing on that number in your brokerage account every single day because that's generally a way to make you quite miserable because yeah, it is. if your emotions are tied to whether the portfolio goes up 10% or down 10%, that's a really tough way to live. Yeah. If you're the one like talking about your stock portfolio and that's how you're defining it or your crypto account or something like that, like you know, that might work for some people. Nothing wrong with it necessarily, but for most people, um, you know, money's used as a tool to achieve other things. And um, I think for the most part, you can do that hands off or hands on, however you want to do it. For me, I would, I think a lot of the things that I want would probably be hands off. To start that ten things activity, yeah, uh, I think that's a great place to start. Is like. What are the 10 things that bring you happiness and what are the 10 things you spend mm. money on? Try and rearrange that if possible. Kate, yeah. but before we get to, like, before you do that, there's one thing we want to leave you with. So, Kate, what is the number one takeaway? We want, like, we're talking about money, we're talking about a million dollars, pie in the sky type stuff. Let's bring it back to one thing that all of us can work on right now. Yeah. So, one thing you can think about after today's episode is what is one long-term financial goal you have? It might be- A farm. The farm. It might be to move to London. It might be to have a million dollars net worth. Write this down and really think about why you're working towards it and the why behind that. So what are the reasons you want to achieve it? Because sometimes it's going to be tough watching your portfolio swing. It's going to be tough going, why am I saving and investing $2,000 this month? I could be doing a million other things with this money. And you want to come back to this long-term goal and the why behind it and the reasons. And then once you have this goal written down, you can work backwards from there. Because if you know the point end point is a million dollars or a farm that might cost a million dollars, you can work backwards from there and you go, okay, I know the time frames 20 years or 30 years. How much do I need to put in on average each month? And if after five years, I can increase that amount to $2,000 or $3,000, how will that change my plan? So once you've got that end point, you can work backwards. And of course, with money, it's all very volatile and it all can change. You might be unemployed some months, you might get a bonus. So the plan has to be flexible, but I think it's a really good place to start with because you've got that end point. You work out what are the steps to get to that end point? What are the things that could go right? What are the things that could mm. go wrong? Is there ways you can automate that goal? What education do you need to do? And how much time do you need to put aside to that to actually learn about investing and figure out all of the steps along the way? I like it. Do we have a vision board as part of the road trip thing? It's like a little- No. Yeah, right. Okay. So, in the business course that is coming soon. I've <laughs> been promising so, this so for a long emails. time. I'm 60% of the way through if you enroll in the business course on RASC Education. Um, the thing that I s- start with in the course is- before you even start your business, let's just do a very simple vision board. And there's like five questions there. Like, why the heck are you going to start a business? Like, what is it really? Because if you're just simply motivated by money, then you'll probably be very unhappy starting a business. So, like starting at why 
am I doing this? That's taken me so long to get around to this. And I'm so grateful that I've finally done it. And thanks to you for prompting me to do it. Um, start with why and then work back from there. And hey, like you said, even if you don't reach that pie in the sky, what does Pitbull say? Reach the stars. If you don't, grab it. At least you're on top of the world. So, Kate, a million dollars. Go now. Think about why you want a million dollars, what you would do with it, how it brings you happiness. I think this is a great episode uh, that you can reflect yeah. on in time. And I think it's also a really fun conversation topic. We've talked a bit about how do you get your friends and family talking about mm. money and having those conversations that we've been told not to talk about for so long and asking people about their savings goals or even just something fun. You can bring it up in a fun way. What would you do with a million dollars and just hear them brainstorm all of the different things they could do um, because that's a really fun way to explore that idea and talk about money in a less scary way because who hasn't Absolutely. fantasized about what they do with a million dollars or if they won the lottery? That's how they are. That's how the, the lotto companies get you, right? <laughs> uh, so if you do have a partner that's not really interested in finance or money, great way to get them involved. Yeah. Work back from there. And I guess main takeaway, it is possible to become a millionaire. You do need to invest. You do need to give yourself a long time frame, and you do need to educate yourself about investments and all of that stuff. And we've got heaps of free courses, resources, and podcasts, and you've got to be patient. It's all at your fingertips, and we mean that seriously. Like, If not knowing enough and not feeling smart enough is your concern. That's what's holding you back. You are not alone. We have all this stuff here. We're here every week. You are not alone. You can do it. Everyone can do it. Please go and check out the resources. Kate, a wonderful episode. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, 
designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.